Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. We've been, we started looking at the story of Naaman last week, okay? We just started, okay? And we're just going to take another step into that story today. But I, I want to give the little backdrop here. Luke 18, uh, 418, Jesus, it's his first message. He comes and he speaks. He picks up the scroll and he begins to read from it. You ever, you ever get into the word and boom, stuff just leaps out at you that day, right? He's in the Word. He's, he's reading this verse, and it becomes so real. It's like, man, he's just reading the verse, but God's highlighting that that day in a unique way. Everybody's going, wow, what, what kind of man is that? Did you notice the gracious words coming out of his mouth? He's just reading these scriptures. You see what I'm saying? Something was in it. And by the way, I'll get into this later today or next week, but... Faith is communicated through the way you communicate what God's done in you, what God's working in you. He's connecting with the Word and the living Word. He's speaking it out of revelation. And there's something spiritual in what he's saying here. And what is he saying? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I'm anointed. The mantle, if you want to call it that, has come upon me for a purpose. And for a purpose. I'm here for a purpose. I'm not just, oh, I'm the son of God. Oh, I'm anointed. No, I am here to serve a purpose. Man, what a humbling thing. Jesus came as the son of God, but he lived as the son of man. He didn't live out the son of God part. Just, you know what I mean? He walked as a man. He laid down his God privileges, the Bible says in Philippians, and he walked as a man in the earth. And so he was connected with God. He was dependent on God, and here he is. He's looking to God, and from God, the Holy Spirit is sent to Jesus in a new way. You can say, well, didn't he have the Holy Spirit before? Yes, but he was baptized a little earlier than this right here. But anyway, so the Holy Spirit has come upon him in the, the chapter previous to this one. Remember, he's baptized, the Holy Spirit comes upon him, and now he's explaining what's going on. This is what it's all about. This is why the anointing came. He didn't do any miracles until this happened. Remember? Amen? It's a, it's a sign for us, right? What does that tell us about us, our need for the Holy Spirit? So the Holy Spirit came upon him. Then he's explaining what's going on that they haven't experienced yet, but is available to them that they don't know it yet. He goes, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He said, he's anointed me. The mantle's come upon me for a reason. To preach the gospel, good news to the poor. To heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. And recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed and demonized and tormented. And going through who knows what. And to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he goes, today, this is being fulfilled right now. And that's when they go, wow, what is it about the way he just shared that? There's something strong in that. And then he goes, and you're going to tell me, you know, do here what you did somewhere else. Anyway, and, this, and then, he, then he says this, and he says in verse 24, 
No prophet is accepted in his own country. You know, it's hard for us to see somebody one way and then recognize God's using that person. We'll get all upset. Oh, how dare that person. No, God doesn't do things like, is that not Joseph's? I can't believe you. You, you see what I'm saying? Whenever God moves and God does something, it always offends our flesh. And we don't think God ought to do things that way. You see, the, the, the uh, quality of a spiritual man isn't being able to go, this is what Jesus did. A spiritual man is able to see what God is doing. Amen? Does that make sense? We can all go back and see what God did and agree with it. The problem is being able to see what God is doing right now. Where is God? Do you recognize God? Anyway, in fact, Jesus is like, hey, if you understood, if you had been hearing when you were in the Word, if you'd really been hearing, then when I'm here, boop, you hear me. Wow, is that not powerful? You see, it wasn't just the facts of the past, but the experience that's in the communion with God as we're in the Word, as we're fellowshipping, as we're praying, as we're doing spiritual things. You see, it's that being real that's important. God's not some place far off. He's here. He's here. And even in the Old Testament, He was meant to be experienced. How much more now that the Holy Spirit has been poured out that even in the Old Testament, didn't He say, you guys know the Scriptures, but you don't know me? And if you really knew the Scriptures, you know me. Where would they have known the Scriptures? From the Old Testament. Are y'all with me? They could have had an encounter with God, seeking God, seeking understanding, in, even in the Old Testament. And that would have translated. Now let me just say this. What does that show us? If you're walking with God, if you're humble before God, and you're not being prideful, you know this is a strange thing. Paul said something like this somewhere. I find this principle is true. That where good is, there is evil. I just go, that's a strange thing. Principle, it's a law. I'm going, what a strange law. I was thinking about that the other day. And you see, wherever there's growth, there's the temptation to get off into that rather than what's important. Pride puffs up, excuse me, knowledge puffs up into pride. But love edifies. But aren't we supposed to learn? Is knowledge good? Yes, but it puffs up, right? So what happened to the Pharisees? Religion, church, learning the Scriptures, it all became about religion. It all became about, oh, who's the most spiritual? Who knows the most? Who, etc., etc. They got way off course, but they knew right doctrines. That's amazing to me. They knew right doctrines, but they were not saved. And I'd say a lot of people grow up learning right doctrines. Well, not so many anymore because we're not as Christian of a nation as we used to be. But so many people know right doctrines but haven't had an encounter with Him. Amen? Am I making sense? Y'all look like you're very slow this morning, like you said something that didn't make sense to you. Okay, so, so anyway, he says this. Then he goes on, he goes, I'll tell you the truth. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah. Now, what's he doing here? He's relating where he is. He's like, I'm anointed. Remember, he just said that. I'm anointed. I got an anointing to do something. 
something has come upon me from God to do something. And this has happened before. And now he's going to tell you about what had happened before, right? He goes, okay, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, another one who had a mantle from God to do miracles and to accomplish certain things. Oh, God sent that anointing before. And guess what? You remember? He's using a particular example of the miracles in Elijah. And he goes, there was this, you remember the famine? Yeah. You remember Elijah went and helped one woman. Only one woman got helped supernaturally like that. And guess what? She was not an Israelite. They're like shocked. Well, so what are you pointing? You're making Jesus. He says, I'm trying to tell you guys something. There's God has sent something for you to stretch out and touch. But if you're just sitting back in your religion, if you're not recognizing where God is and going with that, you're going to miss out just like all those Israelites. But that woman who knew nothing about God, who was crying out, God, if you're real, show yourself to me. God, if you're real, let me see you. That's the one that I'm going to reach out and touch and hear that prayer because I know it's sincere. But those are my own people who they're not even believing. They're not even seeking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are y'all with me? He's trying to go, don't be like the religious people who go to church and don't experience any power. There's no experience with the living God. There's experience with the God that was, but not with the God that is. I like that song we were singing this morning. Who was, who is, and is to come. Jesus is the same today as he's always been. Yesterday, today, and forever. He's the God that is now. Praise God for that. And then he goes on and he says this. And then there were many lepers in the time of Elisha the prophet. And none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. Same point. So he's mentioning two people that had miracle anointings very similar to Jesus. Okay? There was Elijah, and he's going, it happened in his day. Only one person got that miracle, and it wasn't even somebody that should have gotten it. And it happened in Elisha's day. You remember all the lepers? There were a lot of lepers in that day. There was the healing anointing. There was the miracle anointing on Elisha. Nobody got anything from it. And I just that's just such a crazy picture to me to imagine all these lepers going around praying, God, heal me. God, listen. And he sent his anointing. And all they need to do is to be able to recognize that and go, you know what? Maybe I need to press in. I, I, I mentioned this last week. But I think if I were a leper and I heard, hey, Naaman got healed through Elisha, I think I'd go, at least by then I would go, oh, man, that's God. I wouldn't go, hmm, well, you just never know. God just does crazy things. You never know why. I wonder why in the world he healed Naaman. You see what I'm saying? We ask questions like that and going, whoa, there's a healing anointing there. If it's for one person, it's for me too. <laughs> you see? Well, I look at somebody else and go, man, I can't understand. That, I don't know if this story is pertinent, but it's coming to mind, so I'll share it. 
I heard this story of a man went to a healing meeting one day and, um, and uh, some, somebody was just getting healed in the service and some others were getting healed and here he was and he realized, I, he said, I can't believe this. It just came to his eyes that he was bitter because he was looking at all these other people getting healed. And he realized, I'm not rejoicing with him. I'm bitter because I wasn't healed. He had a breakdown moment right there. Just said, oh God, I just see that so clearly. I'm so sorry. And he said this as soon after he repented, boom, he got healed right there. I just thought, what an amazing story, right? <laughs> Yo, man, God's amazing. But you know what? Sometimes we have to walk through the process before we get healed. You see, sometimes we start to stretch our faith out toward God and there's a process to walk through. And that's, that's what Naaman ended up doing. He started out and he ended up, he started out, he didn't get healed when he first started out with his faith. He had to walk through this process of his faith developing, okay? We're not going to get into that today, but anyway, I'm, I just, I'm just sort of backdropping again. I'm just doing my introduction. I hope I can get finished with my introduction today. I'm just, just sort of joking here, but. Anyway, so now one thing I mentioned last week, and I want to reemphasize this because it's so important. People will go, yes, but Jesus isn't walking here anymore. If he were, I'd go to him and get healed. Okay, okay, let me just reiterate this. It's easy to see where God was. It's not so easy to see where God is. Amen. So don't say that if Jesus were here. Jesus says, I am here. You see, you know how Elijah was anointed, right? And then what happened? The anointing fell from heaven, from Elijah to Elisha. Y'all remember that? And Elisha was doubly anointed to do miracles, right? Do y'all not see that this is a, and, and, and by the way, what's Elijah doing? Excuse me, Elisha. He's fulfilling the ministry of Elijah. Is that true? Same ministry, more power, even more, okay? Amen? Yeah. So you got, this, you got this thing with Elijah anointed for miracles, Elisha, greater miracles, same ministry. Now, can you not see that this is a foreshadowing of what's going to happen? Jesus was anointed like Elijah. Jesus taken up into heaven. The Holy, the same anointing spirit that anointed him fell on the church, which is the same ministry of the one who went before. And we are to fulfill the ministry of him. But now the whole body. And if you think about this term it's an awesome term. We are the body of who? What? Christ. Man. Think of it like a real body. He's the head. We are the, we are the body. Within us is the fullness of Christ, so to speak. And so what do we have to do? Grow up into that. And we have to have, let the fullness of God come through us. But the the amazing potential and what God is doing in the earth today. He does. He sends out his spirit 
we can reach Him directly. I've gotten miracles when I've just connected with God at home, but I've also had experiences where I have pressed in and, you know, and, and somehow gotten miracles through, through other people that had God working in their lives. Amen? So anyway, so let me, let me just say, that what I, the reason why I bring that up is to say miracles and the power of God, they are just as available to us as always. They try to be hindered. The things that try to stand between us and our breakthroughs, there are spiritual forces. It's not like you just lollygag into life. Oh, I'm a believer and everything good starts to happen. You, you begin to recognize we're in a warfare. We begin to pray. We believe God for the miracle. We believe God for what it is that we're going toward. And we hold on to God. And while we're doing that, we walk through the process of whatever we have to go through, not letting go of our faith, knowing that sometimes when we begin asking for things, the answer is going to come through a process of whatever we have to walk through, but never, ever let go of your faith, amen? Because you're going to get your answer if you don't let go. Okay, now we're going to go a little deeper in the story of Naaman now. Just a little deeper, okay? Look in 2 Kings chapter 5. How'd Naaman get his miracle? What was it that he did? What happened to this man? Okay, so let me read this. Naaman, this is verse 1. Naaman, commander of the army. We have someone here that was in the Marines. He goes, man, I, I found out Naaman was like a general. Man, that just, that just makes me connect with this story because I see him, he was in the army, he was in, or whatever, in the, in the armed services. Anyway, he's the commander of the army of the king of Syria. He was a great man and honorable in the eyes of his master because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man, man of valor, but he was a leper. Now, let me just mention this to you. Leprosy is and was a terrible disease, okay? Leprosy would eat your, eat your skin. It deformed your body. And beyond that, it was very contagious. Okay, so we all just came through the six-foot rule season, right? Six-foot rule, six foot away, six foot away. You ever have anybody get upset at you and look at you going, you're not six foot away, right? In the Old Testament, when somebody had leprosy, they had to be six feet away from anybody. This is in Israel. He wasn't in Israel. Naaman wasn't in Israel. But in Israel, the rule was, we don't know what the rule was in Syria. In Israel, you got to be six feet away. And guess what? If the wind is blowing, you've got to be 150 feet away. That's really crazy, isn't it? Could you imagine that during COVID? Wind's blowing. You need to be about half a football field away from here. If, you know, if you've got COVID. Not only that, they had to walk around and yell, unclean. That's got to be embarrassing. You know what I mean? You've already, you got deformed. Maybe your nose has fallen off. Maybe your fingers fall. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's eating away at your body. You're an outcast from society. And then you've got to walk around going, unclean. So you hear somebody going, I mean, I can't just imagine what it would have been like to have had leprosy in that day. All right. And so, but somehow, He's still a leader. I don't know how he was able to be a leader, but I can tell you this. 
back in that day, he's got leprosy and there was no hope for somebody with leprosy in that day. Imagine having a situation in life where there is absolutely no hope. Everybody tells you, there's no hope. There's no fix for this. You're going to be this way forever until you die. There's no change is ever going to happen. That's exactly the prognosis for Naaman and his situation. No hope. There's nothing we can do about that. There's, nobody's ever had gotten over that. We don't know what to do. Okay? So that's, that's his condition. And you, as we read the story, we realize he's desperate. I believe most of the people who, who have situations in their life that are oppressive, difficult, whether it's a sickness, whether it's a problem in life, deep down, you want to you get that fixed. You're thinking about it all the time. You want to get that fixed. People might tell you there's no way out, but you still want to have hope somewhere. You might have a sickness that everybody goes, no, there's no way to get out of that one. Nobody ever lives out of that. But deep down, you want to have hope that somehow you can get a breakthrough. Isn't that true? That's, I believe God wired us like that. And he's put something in us that'll make us want to cry out to God, particularly when there is no earthly way we're going to get help. Sometimes your breakthrough is going to come when there's no earthly way for you to get your breakthrough, when you've had one trouble after the other, and you finally give up on man being able to do anything for you. And you just say, if God doesn't do this, I'm going to give it all to God. If he doesn't do it, nobody can. Nobody else will. Amen? Amen. Sometimes it's getting to that point where we just look toward God that brings us our breakthrough and transforms our life. You know, it's interesting to me. God will often reach somebody because of their needs, because of their problems. It makes them wake up. It makes them turn toward God. Their desperation. But then after they turn toward God, man, it's like, man, but God's so much bigger than just dealing with my sickness. God's so much bigger. Even if I weren't sick, now that I know him, I'd still serve him because I love him. Amen? So God uses these situations. There's nothing wrong with that. And I want to encourage you, always be open to turning people toward God and allowing whatever need that person is to be the bait, so to speak, that allows their attention to be turned toward God because God loves to meet needs. You know, it is another amazing thing to me. This man is not a believer. He is not even serving God. And I want you to see what this woman's going to tell him. It's, it's powerful. All right, so here's this little girl, verse 2. Okay, well, it's, talk, it's talking about Naaman. And it says, And the Syrians had gone out on raids and broke back captive a young girl. Now, they probably brought back a lot of captives, right? But it's only mentioning this one girl. She's highlighted from the land of Israel, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who's in Syria, he'd heal him of his leprosy. And I bet you she said it many times. I bet she said that to her mistress many times. If only my master 
were with the prophet who's in Samaria. He'd heal him of his leprosy. Now, I want to take what's left of today and just highlight this little girl because really she is the first key to this story. She is the first key to Naaman getting his miracle, which is an amazing thing to me. I mean, we don't think about this girl very often, but I want you to consider her today. We, go, we only have two verses about her, right? And then, and then he's, he, she's referred to just slightly later. But this girl has been through an extremely traumatic experience in life, and she's still under the effect of that experience. Now, I want you today to put yourself in her shoes and think about what she went through. She's at home one day. Imagine you're at home, and let's say you're 10 years old, 12 years old. You're at home. Then you hear a lot of chaos. People are screaming. What's going on? What's going on? You realize you've been invaded, your little town, by, by people that are going to kill. They're, going, they're out to steal everything good you've got. People are screaming. Some of the more weak individuals, young people hiding. People are being killed. And this girl, man, this girl is probably running. You know, maybe her parents were killed that day. I mean, think about this. I mean, really what she's been through. Her parents could have been killed. And she realizes that day she's been pulled away in that. Could you imagine? I mean, if you're connecting with this and imagining that happening to you, just think. And then, and then they don't kill you. They're pulling you away from everything you've known your whole life. From Even if your family's living, at the very least, what's happened to you that day is you're being pulled away from everything you know, everybody you know, the country that you're familiar with, the faith that you're familiar with. In other words, the body of, of believers that are there with you. And she's obviously been raised in a godly home because of how she responds. But just think about that. Man, what a traumatic experience this girl's gone through. Do y'all see that? You know, how many times I see people going through difficult times and you never hear a word of faith come out of their mouth. They're negative, discouraged, downcast. That is not God's best for you. I don't care how bad your trials are. I care, meaning I'm compassionate. But what I'm pointing out here is there is no trial so great that you cannot rise up in the middle of that trial and live in victory where that trial is no longer impacting your life. Amen? So, I mean, I could just imagine what this girl initially thought when that happened to her. She's serving God. Again, we see that. She probably, she learned these things, most likely from her family and the community. So she's serving God. How many people ever would say, and I've heard this many times, God, I am serving you. Why would you allow this to happen to me? God, this is not fair. It doesn't happen to other people. Why me? Why my home? Why my city? Right? 
God, and sometimes people say other things like, God, did I do something? And sometimes we did something to get us in trouble. God, did I do something? Sometimes we just, we don't know. And I don't know, I bet you there's some people right now just wondering, why am I where I am? Why have I got these issues I've got? Maybe you're the cause. Maybe there's just no way to understand how you ended up in the pattern of life that you ended up in, how you got to where you are. You, you see what I'm saying? But I, I just want to say this about life. You got to get this into your heart. Life is not fair. Life is not fair. But you can make out of it whatever God's given to you. You can make out of it what God wants you to be and what God wants you to do. And, and the ones who've had the greatest trials, I can guarantee you, they are the ones that actually have the potential for the greatest victories. It sounds crazy, but the further down you go, I guarantee you, the further up you can go. And I don't mean just in this life, but even in the life to come. I am telling you, don't ever waste your trials. Press into God because those trials are meant to make you into something great and to bring you something beyond yourself, but you've got to disconnect to them. I was thinking recently how many times people go through things and that they, they, you know, they get a little something bad happen to them. And the first thing you know, poof, they quit serving God. Poof, they get bitter at God. Oh, oh, God didn't, God didn't. And you know, it's almost like they're going to punish God by being bitter because they think they're in the right. God should have never let that. So they're going to have an attitude. I'm not serving God. You know, I wish I could tell you, which I'm not going to, and even if I had the time, I probably wouldn't do it at all. <laughs> But I could tell you many, many, many things I've been through in life where I could have said, I'm not going to serve God. Hey, that doesn't work. God should have come through for me, and he didn't. I could have done that many times. I never even thought to do that. Never even came by my mind. But I can tell you, I've walked with many people along the way because I've been saved a while now. Many people. When something happens to them, they get knocked off the course, and they never get back up. They're going to wallow in their bitterness. They'll wallow in their, why did God do this? Why did God do that? This shouldn't have happened to me. This is the sad thing. They'll end up with that testimony when life is over. God never came through for me. God never did something for me. But there's other people that I have seen in life that went through trials that are intense and they did not give up. And some of them went through long, elongated trials, right? But you look at those people and when God finishes what he's doing with them, you back up and you go, oh my, my. Not only did God bless them, but look at the, the, the what do you call that? The, the, the power of God, the love of God Something just comes out of them because of what they've become through what they've been through. You know, James even says, I know this is crazy to think. I know we don't like to think about this, but this is the absolute gospel truth. We should rejoice when we go through trials because he goes, 
Do you realize that if you go through that trial right, what's going to happen to you? He goes, trials perfect us. They perfect our faith. They make us into something we could have never have become had we not gone through them. But you got to go through them right. You can't give up or it won't do its work. Trials work when you press into God, when you don't feel like it, when it looks like He tripped up and didn't come through for you. That's when trials work. It's when your faith goes down deeper. Sometimes you have you get hit, your faith goes down deeper, and you start getting up, poof, you get hit again. Oop, you just go deeper. Boom. It's like Joseph, right? Oh, his brothers. Boom. They sold him into slavery. Oh, no. Then what happens? He's finally doing well. Boom. He's lied about. Oh, he tried to rape me. Women don't always tell the truth, by the way. That was about three years ago. Everybody said, always believe. Not every time. Joseph was lied about, right, and thrown in jail. And somebody threw away the key. He's never getting out. Now, I don't know why Potiphar didn't kill Joseph. I'm just guessing Potiphar knew his wife, and he's going, well, I need to at least put him in jail. Won't look good if I don't do... It was a, I think it was a political move, but he had enough heart to not kill him. That's what I think. But anyway, you see, sometimes, you, you know, you, you know, how many people would have given up if they were Joseph? How many people would give up when they're in a situation like this? And you know, maybe you've been in a place, right, where you want to give up. But God's like, no, don't give up. And don't do it in self-help effort either. The purpose of your trial isn't simply to give you a stronger self-will. That is not God's purpose in your trial. It's for you to let go and say, God, I'm giving it all over to you now. And you do that at different levels. And it's got to go down deeper. And it's got to go down deeper. And it's got to go down deeper. God is wanting to do a good thing in you. Amen? Yes. So life's not fair. But if you do what God says, if you'll connect with Him, I guarantee you, whatever you've been through, Whatever you've been through, it doesn't matter how long or how hard it's been, God will turn it for good. Amen. God will use Amen. all of that for something good in your life. And wherever you are right now, if you turn to meet your life over to God, the peace of God will begin to come on you right now. You might not be able to figure out the situation you're in, but if you turn it all over to God, your, your life will change, your mind will change. You'll have hope in the middle of a hopeless situation. And people will go, can you give an explanation for your hope? No, not naturally, but I just know, I just know it's all going to work out okay. Because I'm connected with God. Somehow when I gave it all over to Him, faith ignited and I know He's going to work everything out. That's what happens. And sometimes, like I said, it's got to go from one level to the next. But that's a, that is one, one powerful process. So, now, we don't, know what kind of, we don't know what kind of life this girl had before she got trapped, right? So, you know, um, who knows what she was. Um, you know, she could have come from a rich family. She could have come from a poor family. She could have had a high status in life, no status in life. She could have been like me growing up. You know, you live so far back in the woods, you don't even really have an address. You know what I mean? So um, anyway, um, but here she is, and she's pretty much a slave. 
Think about that. She's a slave. She's the lowest of the low. Um, I, can, I can really imagine this woman felt very insignificant, unimportant. I bet she felt like a nobody, particularly those first times while God was drawing her down. And by the way, you know, until you learn to get your significance from God, you'll always want to be something that won't fulfill. You always want to be successful, but it'll never fulfill. You'll always, you know, I, I think I might have shared this last week. It's been on my mind recently because I just found out about it. That, you know, I just, I just was learned about this minister. You know, he had like one of the, if not the fastest growing church in America. Seen a lot of people supposedly, I you know, that the getting saved and baptized. And um, then he, and, and this crazy thing, right? He's, he's built in such a short time, a huge church. And he, he leaves it all. He leaves his church. He leaves his wife. He leaves his children to be with this person that he met in a crazy whatever. And I just go, and, and he's not even serving God. I just backed up on that and I'm just going, I mean, that sort of blew me away. And I was thinking, how many pastors, even pastors, they think, oh, if I have this, I'm called to be successful. If I have this, this, and this, then, and he had everything he probably thought he wanted. I don't even know if he's saved back then, honestly. You know what I mean? But he had a lot of people. He had great messages. Very catchy. But you look at that and go, all of that is never enough. And it doesn't matter if it's in the Christian world or the other world. When you get everything you think you want, you're going to come to the realization it's not enough. That's not it. Amen? There's something else that's more important. Now, I got something just coming to my mind. So uh, if I can, uh, I got made so many little things I want to share here, but I want to mention something here about um, Joseph. Maybe I'll stop with this right here, but you know, there are a whole lot of similarities in this story with Joseph's story. Joseph, and by the way, I know I hadn't gotten into this, but let me back up here. What this woman said right here ends up being the catalyst. What that little word she told her mistress ends up being the catalyst for what caused this man to get his miracle and ended up getting saved. This little slave girl, this little nobody, she's the catalyst. In fact, She's only got two verses about her, but do you realize she is the hero of the whole story? <laughs> it's not Elisha. It's not even Naaman. It's this little slave girl who in the worst trial of her life, she decided she was going to rise up and she wasn't going to live defeated. And wherever she was, in whatever situation she was in, she was going to live a life of victory. 
this little girl with all these problems. I mean, it's phenomenal to me that she said this. She's full of faith. Like I said, how many people, they go through something, all they've got is a bitter word to share. Man, it, just, it so touches my heart thinking about this little girl. Somewhere in life, she decided, I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to move on. I'm going to serve God. I'm a slave. I'm the lowest of the low. But in that place, she had a victory in God, and she rose up over that. And that is the only reason why God was able to use that girl. So she goes, how is it that God's able to use this woman? Right? What, what happened? I just will share this first thing. She showed love to her enemies. You know, Jesus says to do that, right? You not, look, think of Naaman. He's probably responsible for her having her parents killed. Naaman's probably responsible. He stole that whole city. They, they could have very well burned the city when they left. I mean, you see what I mean? This was her enemy. And yet, in the story, you see her with compassion, and she's not going, he deserves to have leprosy. How many of you, if God were to touch the person that did you wrong, you go, ha, yep, it deserved that. How many of us go, he deserves that leprosy. He stole me from my home. He, de he deserves that leprosy. And he probably did deserve it. But this girl, man, it's just amazing to me. She loved him. She broke past that. She forgave this man. And you hear it in her voice. Man, I wish that my master would just go to Elijah. Elisha. He'd be healed. Now, that's what I think impacted her. This, she tells that to her mistress, and Naaman's wife goes, Hey, Naaman. Maybe she's six feet away. I don't know. Naaman. This girl keeps, I mean, can, can you believe it? It's that slave girl. It's that one we kidnapped. She actually wants you to get healed. Are you serious? Yes, you should hear the way she says it. She's just broken over you being sick and wants you to get healed. I think that was hugely impactful. And when you reach out to your enemies, the ones you ought to be upset at and you do them good, man, let me just tell you, it has a huge impact on them. So she did that, and that's remarkable to me. And that's her first breakthrough. You know, if she'd not done that, she'd not gotten her breakthrough. She'd have gone just to find her bitterness all the way to the good. Well, see, they did wrong. They did wrong. Yes, but you need to go. But yeah, but they did wrong. Okay. Okay. You've been telling me this for 20 years, 30 years, 40, until you're dead now. Nothing ever changed. The situation hasn't changed. He still got her as a slave. She's still in a position she ought not to be in. And she's forgiven him. She rose up above it. And she's got a word. First of all, it's got love. She didn't come out with judgment on him. What you did to me, did love. And then what happened? Now, what else is involved there? It's this word of faith. Faith. She doesn't go, well, God might do something. Man, if she'd been back in Israel, what would have happened? All the other Israelites would have go, 
Don't say God will heal him. Don't say that. Say maybe God will heal him. Say you never know what might happen. Because look at all these others not healed. How can you say you're going to get his hopes up for nothing? Let me just say, if she had not said God will heal him in a way that communicated faith, faith would have never caught on that other person. If it's a hope, oh, well, you know, never know what might happen. He could have said that about anything. This girl's going, no. There's a gift on Elisha. If he goes there, he's going to get healed. The way she said it ignited faith on the inside. You see what I mean? Now, I just want to say, where did she get that faith after all she'd been through? And again, I'm just going to say this again. The ones who have the faith that are the strongest are not the ones that always seem to have everything going for them. They're the ones often that are in the middle of a trial, having to work through something, having to trust God for something, but that have risen above that. That is the person that's going to have the grace of God, the joy of God, and faith coming out of them because they have had to get into that themselves. Amen? So that's what God's called us to do. Now, I just think this is a very, very interesting part of this story to me. This girl, as, as you realize, has unusual faith, right? In all of Israel, not one leper, Jesus says, got healed. And here's one little girl that says, absolutely, God will heal you. God will heal that leprosy. You just need to go and get where the gift is. Because God's pouring out. That's unusual faith. That's the one person, maybe in all of Israel, that had faith that God would heal leprosy. And where does she end up? In the house of the one man anywhere that would have listened. Do y'all see what I'm saying? <laughs> Man, that's just amazing to me. And that shows me a couple of things. God's able to get you where you need to be, where people are going to appreciate your gift and they need what you've got. God's got the right one that needs what you have, the right people that need, and God's able to get you there. And that's an amazing, wonderful thing. And not only that, but God's able from the other side to bring people into your life. When you're seeking God and you're open and you're willing to do what God, sometimes you might not know too much like Naaman, but if you've got a right heart, guess what? God has sent you that right person if you're seeking those right people in your life. Because we don't need, we need to be in other people's lives and use our gifts for them, but also we got to have other people. We can't do this on our own. Amen. And there'll be other people that come in certain times and seasons of your life. God sent them. You need something? You need somebody? Guess what? God has the right time, the right person, the right place. Amen. Amen. I just, that's just amazing. Oh, 
just back up a minute and think about this. Now, you might be in a situation where you're going, oh, man, I just want to get on from where I am. I can't stand this situation that I'm in. I can't stand being in this, this job I'm working in. I can't stand being in this city I'm living in. I, have you ever thought maybe, well, maybe God's moving you on. Have you ever thought, though, maybe you're where you are because God's got an assignment for you there? Maybe there's somebody you're supposed to reach there, and you're not going to reach them until you rise up and you have victory yourself wherever you are. You won't know whether you're supposed to be there or not until you rise up. You got to defeat with that attitude you've got, rise up over it. And in that place of victory, you don't even care if God moves you on, but God will. Man, there's so many other little things here, but let me just mention one other little thing about Joseph, his story that I, I think, I think, anyway, so Joseph, you know, God uses, God used Joseph. God, you know, um, you, you see how God took Joseph through the trials, right, that he went through. Y'all remember that? You remember what Joseph said to his brothers, that, which, by the way, it's amazing. Joseph ends up ministering to his brothers who are the ones who threw him in jail. This girl ends up ministering to her enemy, the one that brought her into slavery. It's just crazy how that works out. You end up being a blessing to the people who cursed you. But you'll never discover that. You'll never discover that if you don't rise up above it. Amen? Your greatest purpose is, always, is often in the very place where you don't want it to be. Because you got to rise up over yourself to, to fulfill it. And then what does Joseph say at the end of the story? I love this. You see, what happened with Joseph? God used all that he was went, went through. And then one day, he was put to the right hand of Pharaoh. He goes from the jail to the right hand of Pharaoh. And, his, and you remember what he did? He, he, he fixed the famine. Do you all remember that? He, because of Joseph... There was food for the famine in Egypt and for the for the disciples, for the um, uh, his brothers. So he saved his brothers because of that. And he says this. His brothers are, he's talking to his brothers, and he said, You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Now let me say this. How many times we Christians, we take that verse and we stop right there, and we think that means God meant it so that he could be exalted so that he could be important, so that he'd have that great thing behind us. That's not actually the end of the verse, but that's where we stop it. God meant it for good so that many would be saved. Do you know by the time Joseph was exalted, he didn't even care about being a leader. I don't even think he wanted to be a leader. I don't think he wanted, he just wanted to go home all the trials he'd been through. But I think at that time he realized this is God's purpose. I'm going to step into it. Y'all see what I'm saying? And when he was finished, at the end of his days, he's not going, God meant it for good. Oh, I finally got that job. Oh, I finally got that money. Oh, I finally got the house. Oh, oh, oh God, oh, God. No, he's going, God meant it for good. Did you see all the people that were able to be saved because of what God did through me? Oh, it's amazing. He didn't care about being the position he was in. And let me just say, there's no life in that. The life and your purpose is all wrapped up in your joy and meaning. When your life's over, you're not going to go, oh, I made a bunch of money. 
Oh, I had a great position in life. Oh, everybody looked up to me. This girl's a no-name person. Her name's not even mentioned. And I tell you, your best, if you don't even care if people know who you are, that between you and God, you want to fulfill your purpose. And Joseph was able to go, look how God used me. And I believe that woman is in heaven today going, wow, I was a slave. I never knew my st- my, that, that would have happened. I never knew my story would have been in the Holy Scriptures. I never knew people would have read my story year after for thousands of years, millions of people, and it's being taught about even today. I bet she's blown away in heaven just going, man, everything I went through was well worth it. I just want to encourage you today. God has a miracle for you. Number one, there's no thing that God still won't do. You need to find what God is and go there. And secondly, if you're in the middle of that path to get to what you need, don't give up. Keep going. We're going to see in Naaman probably next week how Naaman had to keep going through times when he wanted to give up, but he ended up, no, didn't give up. He kept pressing through till he got his breakthrough. Trust in God. Amen. Well, Father, we want to thank you, Lord God, for today. Lord, I pray, please, Lord, bless your people. Bless everyone online. God, bless us here. Lord, we pray you bring us into a place of victory far beyond where we've been into a place of great victory and power. Lord, and I know there's some, God, who are going through some things right now. And, um, you know, life's just sort of up in the air. And I just, wherever you are, I just want to encourage you. Um, you need to take that step forward. You don't need to keep living how you've been living. You don't need to keep in the same pattern. Things aren't going to just clear up on their own. You need to take it just a step toward God. You might not know how to walk with him, but you can be like Naaman, which we'll see. He just said, God, I'll take that next step. I'll take that next step. Do the best you know. And just tell God, Lord, I want to follow you. I want to go the direction. Help me. And God will. So, Lord, I pray, Lord, finish what you started in every life. Lord, and I thank you. This is an amazing season. It's going to be like the season when you visit to Joseph. Everything's getting ready to change in this world. And there's going to be a rising up of the purposes of God. And we're going to see come forth the things that you promised us, the things that you've spoken into the earth. It's getting ready to happen. And we thank you for that season that we're even so close to right now. In Jesus' name, amen.